Welcome to the discussion, Intelligent Data Management, sponsored by Commvault. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. My guest today is Richard Brakeiron, the Senior Director for Strategic Initiatives for Federal at Commvault. Richard, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jason. I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate the uh, opportunity uh, to, to follow the, the VA CDO. I thought he did a great job and, and had a lot of good insights. I, I have to agree with you. I thought he did a great job too. Shmendra and I have uh, go, go back years. I know he's a, somebody who's always a big thinker, but, but it sounds like VA is making a lot of progress. And, and let's start with that, uh, that interview that I did with him that just uh, played previously. One of the things he said that I thought we could start with is where does the CDO role live? And what stood out to me, and, and I think it's not, it's, it's fairly it's different for every agency, but the chief data officer for the Veterans Affairs Department does not live in the CIO shop. You see that in some agencies, you see it in others, but actually it lives in the enterprise initiatives area. Give me some reaction to that. Did that surprise you? Is, is that expected? Uh, why is this a, a, a important from a, a broad perspective? So, so I think that's a great uh, question and a great observation. So for me personally, uh, when I uh, started watching CDOs to, uh, start to spring up in the, in the C-suite, and even in the uh, services, uh, they all took a slightly different uh, approach to it. Um, there was a big effort in the DOD initially to say, hey, the CDO is gonna be under the chief management officer. They're gonna be separated from the CIO. We're not gonna get them involved in the, the nuts and bolts stuff. We want them to really understand data from a business process. We wanna improve our efficiency, our effectiveness. We need to get value out of all the data. And oh, by the way, one thing that most people don't realize, a Gartner study pointed out, Hey, 87% of the federal data is dark data, meaning you can't Google it. Like when you and I want to Google something and we put in something and we get information. If you're in the government, you wanted to say, hey, can you tell me about the recent VA contract for Cerner? Yeah, they're going to go to Google first before they go actually to their own internal database. And, and, and that's sort of an ironic piece. So from my perspective, I thought it was great. Put the CDO with the management. It's meant to focus on data being the lifeblood of an organization. And the CIO critically focuses on that, the, the highways, it focuses on the automobiles. It doesn't focus on the driver as much, it focuses on making sure there's interconnections and the data transfers can occur and pathways exist, but it's not focused on, hey, what's, what's the business value of the underlying data flow? You know, one, one uh, bit or byte is the same as another. It's a zero or a one. And as long as it gets there in good shape and its integrity is held, good stuff. So, yeah. It's, it's almost so, like so this fall, one last comment. This fall, you know, the out of nowhere, the NDA for uh, DOD says, hey, let's put it back under the CIO. So it's, it, it clearly has some religious aspects to it. Of, you know, you either believe one way or the other. So, so I think one of the things about the CDO role is where it sits in the agency is not necessarily as important, but, but the role that that person plays. And if it sits in the CIO shop, it can be very effective and it sits outside the CIO shop, it can be very effective. For VA, I think it makes sense because of, of the mission of VA and the broad base, if you will, efforts that, that go on day in and day out versus in the VA shop, the CIO has been very focused on the technology side and data and technology intertwined, but not necessarily the same. In other areas, the CIO may be more focused on the business side. Now, my friends at the VA CIO may disagree with me on that, but <laughs> I, I think that there is a bit of a, uh, it's, it's, a it's, it's a better place to, to have a bigger impact just from an outsider's perspective. 
No, I, I really agree with that, that observation. And I love Shemendra Paul's uh, comments. He really did grasp the fact that, hey, the CDO being where it is in the enterprise is, is much more effective in, so I always look at the management and leadership challenge, doing things right and doing the right things. So CIOs are really aimed in a lot of ways of making sure the IT world enables doing things right. The CDO should be focused on doing the right things. And, and, and here's what I mean, especially as it applies to the VA. So by having the CDO out from underneath the CIO, you get to focus on the veteran. You get to focus on what is the, you know, that is their primary client. They wanna focus on making sure that that person has the best healthcare, that they glean strategic information out of the data so that they can provide even better healthcare. Whereas the CIO is more like focused on the clinic operation. Hey. Did they get the appointment? Did we call them back on time? Are we tracking data from a, from a, from a tactical perspective? And clearly the CDO is trying to say, yeah, but are we actually making the veteran more healthy? Are we really taking care of them? And, and so very, very important. Now, I, I also think uh, Schmender did a great job of, hey, by the way, if the CIO and CDO are like not even in the same world and don't talk to each other, not gonna help you. And, and again, how many uh, uh, various boards does he sit on in the VA to provide issues on uh, compliance, government, governance, uh, privacy, security? So, so it's not that he's not involved in the tactical pieces, but he's looking at it from, I'm a veteran, I want to have access to my health record. I'd love to do it electronically. Okay, somebody's gonna take care of the IT piece of it. There's a lot of policy issues here. There's a security issue. How do I make sure that only Richard Brakeiron gets to see his veteran record? So it's along those lines that I, I, I thought that's the dynamic I see. There's a tension there also, clearly. And I, but I think that's a, it's almost a good tension, right? Because the CIO is the chief information officer, and I've written about this a lot over the years, and the CDO is the chief data officer. What's the difference between information and data? We could have that argument all day. But I think it, 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 that tension and that overlap is really important because in the end, the, the goals are both the same, which is obviously, in VA's case, serving the veteran whether it's transportation or interior or, or USDA or whomever, the goal is always the same. What's the mission of the agency? It, 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 do you see that in other agencies, and again, uh, using VA maybe as an example, that that tension is, is healthy and, and they, they, they like that tension? Or what, what's the trend you're seeing around that overlap between CIO, CDO roles? So the, the trend I'm seeing is that uh, initially everybody wanted the CDO to be a little bit outside the CIO world. They saw that the CIO was focused and part of their, so much of their energy was devoted towards figuring out the mechanics of providing the most cost-effective IT for data, voice, video solutions. But when it actually came down to the, at the end of the day, who's taking care of what that data really holds, especially in the federal space, it was really dramatically evident that nobody had a really good idea of what was in the data. Nobody knew how to, to correlate the HR data with the operational data or the finance, or maybe even supply and logistics. And everybody says, well, those don't apply to each other. And you, you go, well, most major corporations say they do, and they figured out real quickly. So um, I think it is a critical aspect that, you know, and, and again, I, I have a very perspective on data, data versus information. Data is sort of like that natural resource. You mine it out of the ground. Somebody creates that first file and that data has been created. Now I've got to, have a way to transport that raw material 
you know, I'm pulling oil out of the ground. I want to make gas. Okay, how do I get it to the refinery? Okay, now somebody's got to refine it into information. Hey, I now have gas. How do I get it out to the gas stations, the vehicles to be able to use it? And oh, by the way, when it's finally done, how do I um, make sure that the environment is protected throughout this whole process? So um, not sure I totally answered your question completely, but, but for me, the data officer being under the CIO could, it runs the risk that you become a deputy for the CIO. And, and I would much rather the, the chief data officer be focused on the customer. I, I love Shemendra's comments. He gets the chance to talk to veterans because he's a chief data officer. Whereas the CIO is really very heavily focused on the staff needs, the doctor's needs, the clinic needs. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's not that that doesn't bring to the CIO the issues of the veteran and, and wanting to make the technology easier to use, get appointments easier, et cetera, et cetera. Very different focus though. And I think that that's a great point is, is how the lens that they see their job through. The other piece of this that I think we just want to touch upon that Shemendra brought up that was really important is VA's importance or, or ability to integrate and curate their data. And that's a big challenge for them because they have so much data. And really, it's a big challenge for everyone because there's this need to be compatible and flexible. Yet, as you well know, that doesn't always happen. React a little bit to what you heard Shemendra say about those challenges. Yeah, so there are not, there's not one customer that, that, that we deal with on a daily basis from a data management perspective that is not trying to figure this out. So uh, in dealing with uh, the IRS, very similar issues of, hey, how do I get a hold of data from uh, taxpayers, but how do I then use data to help the overall uh, government do its business better? That type of dynamic is going on. It is an integration and curation but here's the other interesting part in today's world. Digital transformation has occurred. So again, when, when, <laughs> when you wake up, I'll go back 10 years ago and smartphones are just sort of really coming out and I'm going to make a reservation for a, uh, a restaurant and I'm pulling out the yellow pages and my son is sitting there with his smart saying, well, why are you doing that, dad? It, it's open, we'll make it. Hey, by the way, you don't want to go to that Indian restaurant because the one two blocks over is much better and much better rated. So how about we do that and click it's done. That conceptual basis of integrating and curating, it's not only the data, but it's the process. It is that digital transformation where all of a sudden all of this data is immediately available and now it's overwhelming. How, you know, another good example in working with uh, the, uh, the, the, the TSA agents have got to look at the uh, manifest for joining a plane. Okay used to be you gave them spreadsheets to look at and say, hey, here's 30 seconds, figure out who's the bad actor here. Now, with so much machine learning and intelligent data management, I can give them a bubble chart because I've learned what they look at in that 30 seconds. And I can say, here are the green bubbles, here are the red bubbles, and here are the yellow bubbles. And now I can say, hey, just, and you know where they focus? Yellow bubbles. They know the red. Hey, that's an easy one. Don't let them on the plane. The green, you know, they do need to cursory take a look at it. They'll pick one or two. But the yellow ones are the ones that the intelligent data management system, the, the algorithms, the machine learning said, uh, person doesn't have a social security number and has never flown. Oh, they're under two years old. Oh, okay, I got it, they're a baby. Uh, and, and, and all of a sudden that yellow, you build another algorithm. So um, when I think of curating data, it's not only the data and the information, but it's also curating the process and the analytics of what you're using that data for. Every place we go has those challenges. We're about to jump into a break, but, but before we do that, I think one of the things that we saw from Shemendra is as they laid out their 
their goals, their data strategy, we, you saw those challenges being touched upon, right? Uh, stewardship, data management, analytics, technology, people, and governance. Of those, of those five areas, and, and it's hard to say which one is more important or most important, but there's an organizational maturity that seems to be happening. Are agencies, and again, I'm going to ask you to throw a big blanket over the entire government, do you see they're more mature in one area than the other when, when we talk about, let's say, let's use those five goals? Anything stands out to you? Yeah, so so when I when I sit there and look at in, in the maturity comment, Jason, it's just perfect. So for me, what I all of a sudden realize is that everything that was being talked about compliance, never or, or governance, nobody associated with operational readiness. It's like because they wanted to focus on fixing and pr pr protecting my data or protecting my security, they forgot that this was all about operational readiness. That's the maturity process is when all of a sudden those five basic or five large VA um, goals from a strategic standpoint, all of a sudden reflect a, a organization culture and focuses on what's the core mission here? Oh, take care of the veteran. Okay, so let's mature our data processes along those lines. And uh, I think when you start looking at it, can you find a data model, as Schmendra said, uh, that I can run a clinic really, really well with the data? A lot of the data is the same as what I'm collecting for on the veteran, how do I also make sure that the model from the very outset captures those goals and I don't build it as a bolt-on? And, and I think that's the biggest maturity level that I see changing. Organizations, when they are starting to talk to uh, industry, they want, they have understood data is created, data goes through a whole life cycle and then data gets stored even for the longest time. Can you do it all? Can I see it all with you? That's the maturity process, I think, that's going on. And, and it's a good news story. Like you said, it's a huge challenge. My guest today is Richard Brakeiron, the Senior Director for Strategic Initiatives for Federal at Commvault. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to the discussion Intelligent Data Management, sponsored by Commvault on Federal News Network. Commvault redefines what backup means for the enterprise through solutions that store, protect, optimize, and use their most critical asset, their data. Microsoft and Commvault's combined solution helps agencies prevent and recover from ransomware, simplify hybrid cloud, and quickly respond to changing market conditions. Commvault is built on and optimized for Microsoft to provide data management and data protection that's easily deployable and provides consistent management and a consistent policy engine managed from a single unified interface. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion, Intelligent Data Management, sponsored by Commvault on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Richard Brakeiron, the Senior Director for Strategic Initiatives for Federal at Commvault. Now, Richard, before break, we're talking a lot about Shrendra Paul, the Veterans Affairs Department's Chief Data Officer, and his efforts to really bring make data useful, make it more toward a decision asset or a strategic asset. One of the things that you mentioned during our conversation is this idea of intelligent data management. Let's start there. Let's define what that means and then maybe bring in how VA is really moving in that direction and, and, and other agencies too, of course. Okay. Hey, uh, that sounds great. And, and so for me, intelligent data management, I always like bringing it back to some type of analogy that, that everybody can understand rather than, okay, I'm a data scientist and let me tell you how I meta tag this and meta tag that, even though that's part of it. Um, when I think of intelligent data management, think of the highway system, okay? And so let's start thinking highways and lanes that would be so smart that all of the emergency access vehicles are in one lane, all the trucks are in another, all the uh, uh, private transportation to school is in one, et cetera, et cetera. 
So all of a sudden my data starts flowing in a really nice uniform way. And then, hey, let's carry it to the Elon Musk version of intelligent data management. Why are we driving this stuff? I got work to do here. I got sleeping to do. I got reading. I, I have Netflix to binge on some more. Let's let this car drive itself. Believe it or not, intelligent data management is really starting to look at it from that perspective. Once data is created, how do I immediately solve some of the problems at the minute it is created? How do I automatically, who gets access to this data? As Shmendra asked, many of our clients have the problem of we want broader access to everybody in the organization to create an improved maturity in understanding what we do and, and how to better improve our operations. But do I give Richard access to everything or we make those decisions sort of ad hoc as we go along. Well, why not create an intelligent capability at the outset where you're already thinking about that? Why don't we organize our uh, set of all team members with how they're going to manage? Some stuff we're gonna give individuals total control over in, in part of this process, but organizationally, we want to start having the ability to see data holistically because it's so important. And, and think of the COVID world today too. Think of those organizations that had a lot of their uh, data up in the cloud, a lot of their information in the cloud where everybody could get a hold of it even when they went home. What a wonderful idea. That's intelligent data management. And it's data management that works on any infrastructure. It doesn't care. I don't care if you have Apple. I don't care if you have uh, Android. I don't care if you're one type of vendor for a server or one type of protocol. Again, why can't we have systems that correlate across these dynamics? It's a challenge. It's a challenge in industry. It's a challenge uh, with organizations. But the more you can help organizations get there from the outset, the more you can help them um, actually have data readiness, as, as the sign binary says, uh, you know, be data ready. One of the things you bring up is, is helping agencies get there. And I, I think the, the question always comes back to, because data has been created at most agencies for 40, 50, 60, 70 years, and some agencies, you know, if you treasury department or the postal service, hundreds of years, they already are, are in a tough spot. So I think one of the things that, that we've heard from Shmendra, for instance, is this idea of, of starting to really look at architecture and, and, and without boring our audience too much with architecture talk, what, what are the key pieces and parts to be, as you said, data ready? Okay, so, so in your um, profession, in the news profession, is data from 40 years as interesting as data yesterday? Is the story more important yesterday or the data 40, the news story 40 years ago? So, so uh, again, depends, right? Or what, what are we writing ah. about? Are we writing about a volcano that's erupted hundred times in the last 40 years and then, then yeah but but are we talking about a brand new volcano that's erupting that's never erupted then no it's it's been a exactly. mountain yeah so i love that i love that analysis so <laughs> derek derek jeter hits his 3000th uh hit in his career what is the news and what does espn want to see immediately his first hit well that might have been 20 years ago i can't just throw that data away so so what we're talking about is how do i create what we call a tiered storage management. How do I take data that was created today or, or even the last 90 days where the odds are, I'm gonna to wanna to talk to it a lot more. When we were getting ready for uh, our interview, that data is very critical to me that I, I have quick access to it. I don't wanna to have to go through a whole lot of hoops to get to it. 
But I'll tell you, when this is done, <laughs> we're immediately going to be moving on to the next interview that Gene and other people on my team are going to be setting up. And, and all of a sudden, um, I want to have access to it because I remember some notes, what was good, what was bad. But um, I'm okay to let it move away. And then three years from now, I want it away again. Hey, why don't I immediately think about a strategy and a model for zero to 90 days, 91 uh, days to 12 months? And then 12 months up to 40 years. I mean, and people fail to realize that Congress dictates that uh, scientists in the DOD maintain data for 40 years, just the law. So where am I going to put that? And how expensive is that going to be? So I better find a way to put that on tape because that's really inexpensive. But by the way, when I do that, I still can't lose track of it. I need an index. And the whole idea is when you put a lot of storage in tape or, or a tiered arrangement like I'm describing, you better have an index so you can call Richard's emails back and not have to bring the entire Commvault's 2,400 employees' emails back from 40 years ago and sort them all after the fact. Wouldn't it just be better to pick up his if that's what you need for, for whatever uh, issue? Uh, and, and that's the way to think about this. So architecturally, what we're saying is, and again, I go back to my life cycle model for data build an architecture and recognizing the temporal, the time value nature of data and recognize that even data that's 40 years old, when you're doing the anniversary celebration of World War II, what do you need? You need the footage from World War II. Does that help? Does that it make does. sense? No, it, it, it absolutely does. And, and I think it's, it's a way the agencies have to begin thinking about the way that the value of their data and the, and then the, it's actually, it's a great segue because Part of it is, and this is something that I think Shremendra talked about as well, is this idea of, of data being operational ready. And without that thought process that goes into it, then how can your data ever be operational ready? Because you gotta, as you mentioned, you got to start with what do you have? Where does it live? And, and, and what's the value of it? How do, you, how do you talk to agencies about making those decisions? And, and then who makes the final decision, right? You, you think something's valuable and I don't. Well, who in the end determines it's valuable? And I know, you know, there's a lot of rules and regulations around data in, in the agency. So some of that is predetermined whether you or I think it's valuable or not. Right, so, so that's a great question. So let me ask you this. Uh, I'm gonna give you uh, uh, an actual, I'm not gonna give you the name of the agency, but found an agency that was keeping 10 years of data on live storage on-prem, 10 years, because they were so concerned about operational readiness. They could not envision it not being there. And their bill was astronomical. You, you cannot imagine. And as data starts growing the way it is exponentially, that bill was growing exponentially. And we walked in and we said, so how about we do this? How about we take that same schema I just sort of talked about, a 90 day, a 91 day to a year or wherever, you know, somewhere that's logical for you uh, and your comfort zone, and then let's start moving this other data away. And by the way, the system of implementing that intelligent data management will give you money back in your pocket. It will actually save you money. And oh, by the way, okay, you're right. The data that's on tape is probably gonna take a half hour to recall if you let us index it going in, but you know, it's still available. And operationally, it's probably not as critical as the data that was created yesterday for the events of COVID that just occurred uh, in, in, in various situations around the world. And that's what we need to sort of, so that's how we start the discussion. It starts also from a value proposition as a readiness. And then here's the other readiness aspect we say, 
Um, if you're looking for a bad actor, would you rather look him for them in a room that has 30 seats or 30,000 seats? And the answer is obvious. I want to look at them in 30 seats. So, okay. So let's make you more operationally ready. Let's make you more secure. Let's protect you by taking the data that is not as important and moving it away so that I can really concentrate on anomalies that might occur. I'd rather look at it in 30 data sets versus 30,000. So these discussions, we, and, and again, this, this is Richard's way of presenting the discussion and, and this is how he likes talking about it. And, and having sat on the other side for you know, uh, 30 plus years in public service, it, it was always the way I wanted to look at a common sense approach. Now. Do you have people that have real data ownership issues and, and they have a right to say, no, I don't want to do it this way? You have to work with them. Uh, I, I'll, I'll give you a real world example when um, uh, the decision of going to a single DOD network came up and General Alexander as the director of uh, the US Cyber Command that was stood up by Congress a few years ago, he was trying to get all the services to be one big network because uh, there's a lot of value in that. And boy, was there a lot of resistance to that. And I'll never forget General Odierno's comment when asked to testify about this, and he did not object. And, and uh, one congressperson said, why are you not objecting? And yet your Navy and your Air Force and Marine brethren are objecting. He says, very simple, I can't afford it. <laughs> I can't afford my own network. And data management, if you take somebody who really is obstinate, you say, that's fine. You have every right, it's your data, it's your business process. And by the way, here's your bill. And the CIO is going to back you up 100%. The CFO is going to back you up. CO is going to back you up. And then all of a sudden, people say, oh, maybe I don't want to be out there by myself. So some, some of the ways that Richard does it. And Commonwealth, by the way. Great example. I uh, really do appreciate it. It really brings it to life. Uh, Richard, we're just about out of time. But, but before I let you go, I did want to give you just what's our big takeaway from both what you heard from Shemendra Paul earlier, but also from, from what Commonwealth has seen, What's the message you want to make sure that the agencies uh, uh, have around their data and, and how to really move into this intelligent data management world? Uh, so I think the big, big message to take away is data is the center of being operationally ready. Uh, you have got to come up with that data strategy and then you've got to come up with an operational plan. It's not good enough just to have five goals. You actually have to then create a plan. And then you're going to need actual uh, infrastructure, you're going to need actual tools, and you're going to need a partnership with people that really do this for a full-time business. It, you know, if you look at the, the core focus of the VA and of their core service of health services, you want a doctor that has 20 years of experience. You, you just do. And, and I think that's the lessons that we're learning is that you really want to partner in this effort to help you understand all the intricacies. And there are a lot of little intricacies that, that, um, that can be very, very expensive. When you go to the cloud, it's great to get data in the cloud. It's very expensive to take data out of the cloud. It's very expensive to compute in the cloud. You want somebody that can help you understand that and appreciate it and be there with you and, and be a partner with that. So, so I think that's the big takeaway that Commvault has learned is, you know, with a 96% customer satisfaction rating, we focus on one thing, you know, making our customers really uh, value us and the services we deliver around data readiness. All right. Well, well said. Good advice. I really do appreciate your time today. So let me thank my guest. Richard Brakeiron is the Senior Director for Strategic Initiatives for Federal at Commvault. Richard, always a pleasure to catch up with you. 
I really do appreciate this, Jason. Thank you again for this opportunity. And I really do uh, want to say thank you to uh, Shmendra Paul also. Really great and honored to be a part of this uh, discussion with him. All right. Well, thank you to you as well. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion, Intelligent Data Management, sponsored by Commvault on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Commvault. Thank you for listening to the discussion, Intelligent Data Management, sponsored by Commvault on Federal News Network.